you put up these false walls, you put up this false image, but it's like pushing down all of that trauma as well. So it's like an unhealthy coping mechanism. There you, there you go. And then it pops up when you get angry. It pops yeah. up. You are a trigger. And so a now monster like you transform into. Mm. Exactly. And mm. so why should I go back to that little boy that was molested, crying, painted bed, didn't take showers, didn't brush his teeth? Oh, no, I'm not going back to him. I want to be this kind of self-centered over narcissist because I love this guy. And guess who else loves him? All of these women love me. My male, my male co-workers like, man, you're a hard worker, man. You're going to win, man. You're going to be number one. And they pan into my grandiose my wife's pan. Chuk mung namoy. Gung hai fat choy. Happy Lunar New Year. Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, certified meditation teacher and spiritual mentor. This is Season 5, Episode 9, Confessions of a Narcissist with Leon Walker. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional help. Highly sensitive people have a heightened awareness of other people's emotions and feelings. Just like you and I, they tend to be more empathic and compassionate. We take on the pain of the world and try and solve everyone else's problems and constantly are overstepping boundaries and or having boundaries overstepped on into our lives. It can drive us into such a mentally exhausted and deep depressive state that we start to develop unhealthy coping mechanisms such as self-harm, addiction, and suicidal thoughts. If you are having any thoughts of self-harm, find that you rely too heavily on substances such as alcohol, sugar, any other mind-altering drugs, or just have thoughts of deep depression like why move on? What's the point in living? Then I deeply, strongly recommend that you reach out for help and speak to a professional. I've been there. I tried to drown myself in alcohol. And when I left my narcissist, I found talk therapy to be extremely beneficial for me to process and identify what I was going through, how I was abused, in order for me to springboard into my new life in a healthy way. This is why I specifically chose out of all the sponsors out there, BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp and BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. It allows you to talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. Finding a therapist is easy. Just fill out the questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist under 48 hours. And don't forget, if you need immediate help, don't wait and dial 988. Everything you share is completely confidential in therapy. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash empath. The link is in the show notes. Leon is another participant in the Trauma to Triumph Summit that I spoke at last fall. And it was really great to collaborate and meet so many different voices in this narcissistic education environment. And it was really also 
enlightening and interesting from a curious scientific perspective having a conversation with somebody who has been diagnosed NPD, who is conscious of it and wishes to correct their lives because they don't want the stress and the agony of covering up their trauma with these very bad coping mechanisms. And he wants love. He's expressed that. He wants to be better. He wants love. He understands he's messed up and he wants good relationships with his adult children. And so this just shows you that narcissists can change, but they have to show signs. I would say don't hang on to hope and think they're going to change if they're not showing signs. And sometimes us leaving them allows them to wake up and to grow up and to change. So it's super interesting conversation. It went on for so long that it's in two episodes. So the part one is airing today on Sunday and part two is airing Thursday. So tune into that and then a special sneak peek on Tuesday in my solo episode. I am joined with my husband and we kind of had a behind the scenes conversation if you're wondering like what I always think about and I question and how I process people in my life still to this day that I interact with that are narcissistic, I'm not an expert, you guys. I still always get hung up, but I'm so grateful to have my soulmate help me process all this information about my childhood trauma and people I'm interacting with now and selfishness and narcissists. Are we all narcissists? And we actually talked about are narcissists master manipulators or just blumbling idiots? So that one's exciting. Can't wait to share that with you as well on Tuesday. So I hope that you benefit from it by listening to somebody who has this mental illness of narcissistic personality disorder and who is conscious of it and is working on changing and spreading awareness. And let me know your feedback on this episode. There's a photo that I've posted on Patreon. Just download the Patreon app and search Empath Healing. And I post all of these in the public setting so you can comment for free and then you can check out the Empath Healing community. So make sure you follow and comment on how this episode resonated with you there. And don't forget to grab your free copy of the Audible book by signing up to my newsletter. I'll reach out with, to you with a unique code for you to listen. The link is in the show notes. All right, here we go. Let's dive into the conversation. Hey, Leon, it's so good to have you here and good to be back on camera with you. Yeah, how you doing, Raven? Yeah, it's pretty good to be back because we did a thing about, what, a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, maybe like a month ago. Time is flying by so fast. Yeah, trauma yep, and triumph summit. Yeah, right. Yeah, good to see you again. Yeah. I mean, you were probably the most popular. I actually didn't hang out for the other narcissists, but like the, everyone was like asking you like bees to honey, like what's happening? What's going on? And it's Yeah, I think incredible. it's because like other people were talking about it, but me being a black male, I think black men are on the leading edge of being diagnosed with narcissism. For those that actually, for whatever reason, get into therapy and go to, to see the psychiatrist or psychotherapist and, and I so I pop up right being this military guy which we know military people entertainers doctors lawyers dentists those high functioning people are a lot of them are in the category or the zone of narcissism Re regardless of the the type we're all putting in athletes and so forth but yeah so you get me to pop up and 
I'm saying these things that most people want to say or want to hear or have been thinking about. And I'm just like letting it all out because I, I can't, Raven, I can't hold it in anymore. I, I did my therapy and I thought that it was like, okay, I'm good. But it's more to it than that. People go to therapy, but then how are you going to act after therapy? Right? Right. And my medical record, it says therapy will be indefinite. So uh, I wasn't doing enough for myself. I wasn't doing enough to help people. And it's not just about me going into therapy and then working on me. It's, it's, it's also working on and helping other people understand th this type of personality disorder. Husbands, wives, kids, friends, co-workers. So I wasn't doing enough until last year. An ex-girlfriend said, Leon, why don't you start doing videos about it? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Everyone's going to hate me now. <laughs> yeah, right. And so that happened. And so I thought it was like, okay, you, I never volunteered to go into therapy. It was part of my, it was an event that happened in 1987. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped and then I went back because I had to get my retirement physical done. And so I went to start my retirement physical. You see the dentist, the chiropractor, and ear, nose, and throat neurologist. And then you, your last stop is the psychiatrist. And it's a checkout sheet that you have, right? And yeah. so I was like, oh, no, I'm not going in there. <laughs> so I went into the psychiatrist. Well, I was embarrassed to go into the psychiatric board, kind of, sort of, right? Where it is in a VA hospital, you go on the fifth floor. And that's what all takes place because they have the neurologists over here, the chiropractors over here, the psychiatrists over here. So that's where it started. At first, I was afraid. I was embarrassed. And then I just said, I'm 47. And I had no choice at that point because I did try to weasel out of, yeah. I did a physical and turned my paperwork again. And she said, Hey, you, you didn't go see the psychiatrist. You need to go back. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I really and can't so get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And so the military, you can't get out of going to see it. And a lot, a lot of times it's recommended that you see a psychotherapist, a psychiatrist or a therapist or a social worker. There are times where we are sent to take anger management classes too. Yeah. And if, and if there's times where people are sent to go to the drug and alcohol abuse counselor, I was a drug and alcohol abuse counselor too. Mm -hmm. And if you're fine, you get in trouble. Or if you have a failure, you get in trouble and it could affect your uh, disabilities moving forward. Yeah. Okay. And so people say, well, I get the question all the time. Well, what made you change? What made you decide to go? It wasn't like I was like, all right, I'm ready to go change. I'm ready to end it. No, it wasn't like that. There was something attached to my enrollment of therapy and completion of therapy. Just mm -hmm. like my sailors had to go to anger management classes. If you don't finish this anger management class because you were a part of domestic violence, then you will be discharged out of the Navy, which means if he's an 8-5, you lose $80,000. Yeah. So another reason why these people don't go with the to get diagnosed because there's nothing attached to it on the end for them. It was for me. Now that's cool because I've had another guest who her husband was horribly abusive, like physically was in the military and she felt like the system didn't support her. And I'm hearing this part of you where it's like, I couldn't get money. So I actually was forced to be diagnosed and then it awakened you and now you're helping others. So I think it depends on every single person's journey. It depends on every single person's journey. So my my ability, the money was like for my sleep apnea, PTSD, anxiety, depression. And it wasn't for narcissism. That's just like a trait. But they're not going to say, hey, you can whoop. 
will pay for your therapy, you know? So yeah. I don't have to, now if I wasn't in the military, I would have to come out of my pocket for therapy. Right. Okay. But in the military, it's like, you just show up and there's no, there's no bill, you know? So my, all I did, right. So my retirement physical was connected to what I would get after retirement for my, not just my retirement check, but my disability as well. And I was the type of person, I'm just going to just retire and get out. But it's a process before you retire. You have to go get your full body physical. Yeah. And in me getting body physical, I had to see a psychiatrist. And then seeing a psychiatrist, <laughs> the face, Leon, and the narcissism and all this other stuff. So it all came together, you know. But yeah, you don't get, Amazing. there's no, no money for narcissism. There's money for migraines, sleep apnea, PTSD, anxiety, all those other things, depression, and medicine too. Right. There's no medicine for narcissism. There's talk there. And that right. is absolutely it. So if a person doesn't is not ready to talk, you might be a talkative person like narcissistic people for overt narcissists, very social, right? Very engaging, very outgoing, right? Very hyper, probably very competitive. And so I can talk to you, Raven. I can talk to so-and-so. I can talk to so-and-so. But can I talk to psychiatrists about my issues? Because the psychiatrist is not there to stroke my ego. They're, to, they're right. there to break it down, like right. open it up. And so people like, oh, no, <laughs> you have to be successful entertainers and athletes that they, they can go on the field and perform. They can go on the stage and perform. Mm -hmm. But and it might be narcissistic, but it's like, OK, can you can you laugh and joke? Can you speak to a person that's going to break you down and open you up and make you reflect about your childhood, reflect about that uncle that was molesting you or that babysitter that was molesting you? Can you do that? They can be on stage and that's where they get the energy and motivation from. As soon as they choke, they might go to the office or the psychiatrist for a few minutes. And then as soon as they sit in front of that psychiatrist, they are free to leave. And guess what they do? They leave because I was the same person. Yes. I sat in front of a psychotherapist for 50 minutes and I left. Boom. Mm -hmm. I sat in front of a psychiatrist for 18 minutes and I left. Boom. I sat in a psychiatrist for three weeks and I left. But then again, retirement, I got to fix this and yeah, so when you sat in front of them, because I've heard too that narcissists can trick the psychologists, right? Or the psychiatrists, they can trick them and put on this act. Did you do so that at first or how did that process work for you? So, so because I went in there knowing that I'm very manipulative, right? And knowing that I don't want a lady in front of me, rather she was black, white, Asian, or Latin, it doesn't matter. I don't want her telling me about Leon, right? And so I went in there with this Really, really arrogant and over, over narcissists are very overbearing. Mm -hmm. I went in there with a very arrogant attitude and a very arrogant and self-serving attitude. So it was like, don't want to be here. I don't really think you can tell me anything that's wrong with me. And plus, I never wanted, I never could deal with people telling me that was something was wrong with me or putting me down or calling me out or correcting me. Because I'm going there as a senior leader. Mm. I'm working at my last company I worked at, at in, the, in the Navy. We had uh, 42,000 people that, that worked for us. And it's my admiral, my chief of staff, and then me. And so I got all of this, all of this like latitude and come and go as, as I want and I'm free. So it's not like people going there knowing that they're going to, well, yeah, I went in there knowing that I was going to try to manipulate her. Yes, I yeah. That's what mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. Um, the manipulation can come in many ways. Act like I don't know what she's talking about. Act like there's nothing wrong with me. Act like that I'm not, I'm not upset when, when she said, well, Leon, you have some very, oh, this is what she told me. One of them told me, we're going to talk about your cognitive skills because you can't make a good decision based off your gut feeling. And I was like, 
In my mind, I'm like, who the hell are you talking to? Yeah. I'm, I'm working at a company that's, that, ha- that employs 42,000 people. And you telling me my, my cognitive skills are all off? I don't want to hear that, lady. And so yeah. I would leave, right? Mm. And so, yeah, the manipulation happens, but also the anger comes into play. And they don't talk about that. They don't talk about the fact that narcissistic people go in there already pissed off mm-hmm. because we got to, we got to force somebody. We got to, we got to face someone that's going to tell us about ourselves. Mike's wife didn't do that. Mike's girlfriend didn't do that. They did. Well, I'll take that back. They did, but I would ignore them. You did, but them. you didn't receive it <laughs> or you, you gaslit them. <laughs> no, how am I going to receive you telling me about me, but I'm paying all the bills. Uh-huh. I pay the cell phone. So I do what I want. I come go when I please. I wasn't that, I wasn't liking that much with my ex-wife because she was kind of stern. Mm. My ex-wife knew something was wrong, but I wasn't going to tell her what it was. But she acted as if she knew what it was. She could have thought that I was a sociopath, right? Or a psychopath. But she didn't know that I was a narcissist. So she, and for her to know that, know that, yeah, Leon is mentally weak. Leon has uh, a fragile ego. She can go with that and be okay because she knows how to manifest me. And yeah. But did set- you really know at that point, like with your wife, did you even know the word narcissist? Or you just were like, this is me. I'm successful. I have stuff I I keep in my closet, but I have to like keep this perfect persona. Like, or did yeah, you? I, I knew, but the thing about it is I suppressed so many things in my life. It's not that I forgot. No, I'm not saying that, but I didn't want to think about the term yeah. because me thinking about the term was telling, making myself know that I had a lot of deficiencies. I had a lot of weaknesses, but I had to hide those and cover them up. And so I wasn't, it, it popped up every now and then, but it really popped up was last year. When I was mm-hmm. dating one, like, Leon, I know you're a narcissist. And I was like, I couldn't even respond. <laughs> she was working in the medical field. So when I met her, she was already, like, observing me, analyzing yeah. me. And it just, oh, when she said that, I knew it was going to be over because the things I was doing, I was, like, really into her. But at, when they say narcissist people can't change, there's a lot of truth to that. Mm. We can... Aside from not changing, I wasn't trying to, well, with her, I was trying to, I was working on managing my mindset, right? And, but I was still doing the love bombing. Yeah. And I was doing the silent treatment. I'm like, man, I, I've gone through therapy, but like I said, Raven, a while ago, I wasn't exercising, working on my, my, what my therapist right. taught. And it's so like ingrained in you from a very young age that even though you're aware, one year is not going to correct all of that behavior. You're still going to, like go into that subconscious behavior unless someone's calling you out on it every day. It's a lot of work. And what happens in the military, nobody calls you out. You know why? Because the more you get promoted, the more responsibility they give you, the more accountability they give you, the more people work for you. So nobody's going to come up and say, you're your butthole, Leon, unless they're equal to or senior to you, right? And it's at the point. But there's a major like silent understanding that you no matter how toxic your leader is you respect them and you do exactly what they say yeah yeah exactly what happened now in the military they're cracking down on that because it's called autocratic leadership or it's called undue command influence where say for instance raven you and i work together say for instance you work for me right and i'm this ceo and i come to your company right so you have 150 people and I'm coming in there to tell you what to do and how to run your company. In the military, you'll get fired for doing that. Mm-hmm. You and I can say, Ray, let's go have coffee and talk about the way ahead, right? Uh, let's talk about how to make things better. Let's talk about any problems you have. How can I help? 
I want to sink the leadership course, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the proper way to do it. But if I come knock on your door and tell you what to do, that's called undue command influence. And I get fired for that. In the military, you can't. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. There's a chain of command. Yep. So, exactly. And it doesn't and, allow uh, responsibility for toxic leaders. That's right. And so when I came, when I went into the, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you one thing. I've never talked about this, but I met, I don't know if he was, probably wasn't diagnosed, but he was definitely narcissistic. It was one of my senior leaders and he was very toxic. And he caused seven of our people to check into the site war and get out of the military. It almost drove him crazy. It was bad. I think, I believe he was the first one that I met that was narcissistic. Uh, It was bad. And so I can imagine what women are going through meeting, dating somebody like me. But I was young then and it didn't, I was like, I just, we just called him names and held it for ourselves. But moving forward, I learned about more about narcissism. And I was like, first person came to mind was him. Mm. And I was, another senior leader came to mind. So guess what? They wound up getting fired and kicked out the Navy. Oh, So the Navy's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that toxic environment, abusive language, abusive leadership. I was about, I was guilty of that too. And I got in trouble in 2004 for my abusive language and abusive leadership. And so they started cracking down in like late 90s and now more so even now. Wow. But when I first into the Navy in 83, it was, you were looked, you were respected and you were looked up to when you abused people. It was mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. We looked at it was funny. It was a joke, mm-hmm. uh, but they weren't paying attention to PTSD back then. They definitely weren't paying attention to narcissism. They weren't speaking about toxic leadership and toxic environments. None of that. It was like deploy, make sure you pass your inspections, come back safe and go drink and womanize. That was it. That's it. Gosh. It's just, yeah, toxic culture. And it just stems, right? Like the military is what controls our country, essentially. So just imagine that. And then in all the other systems that we're in, I mean, this is a beautiful awakening about people realizing what is narcissistic and what is not, what you're going to put up with, what you're not going to put up with. Right. Now, most all narcissists experience childhood trauma. Correct. And it's not just narcissists, like empaths, normal humans, like we all experience some type of childhood trauma in some way. But why do you think the trauma then translates in the narcissist pathway, like why they lie and they cheat and manipulate? So what happens is, say you're an empath, say you're, say, say you're not seven years old, right? Mm -hmm. Raven has a beautiful life. I'm not saying it's because you're Caucasian. I'm just, just, I'm not being stereotypical. Say you're, you have a beautiful life. That is true too. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Say you had parents but were married for 35 years, right? Raven went to school. She had all the great teachers and they groomed her to be an OBGYN, right? You had all of those lovely things coming up. Your family had cars, you had utilities, you had food, you took family trips, all these beautiful things. So you're groomed not knowing that you're grown to be an impact, right? A good person, a loving person, a caring person, a successful person, a person that has a vision, a clear big vision. Not Leon, right? At five, I was molested. At seven, I was addicted to porn. At eight, I lost my virginity. At 10, my parents got divorced. At 11, we lost our house. Uh, between t- 11 and 12, my uncle was touching my private parts. So Leon and Raven, two totally different people now. Yeah. So you say, for instance, you're 11 years old now, and you still have these this beautiful houses, home, utilities, and food. Your parents are still married. You got a little dog. You got a cat. You got, a, you got your own bedroom. No, 
I'm 11 too, Raven. I don't have a bedroom. We lost our house. We don't have utilities. My dad left. I'm stealing, Raven. I'm stealing now. I'm stealing from the grocery store because I'm hungry. I'm mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes because I'm influenced by the grown people that smoke cigarettes. Now I'm addicted to older women because Raven, I see porn. You never mm-hmm. saw Raven. You never saw porn, Raven. You don't. Right. You look at like, man, you're 11. What are you doing watching porn? And I'm looking at you like, you're 11. Why don't you watch porn? Okay. Mm-hmm. So now you empath role, and I take the narcissistic role at 11. It wasn't. I wasn't a narcissist at 11. But it started, I was groomed at that point. And so you were groomed to be an empath at that point. But we didn't know. But this is how we were going to be these, these people. Mm. And then guess what? I, I'm attracted to older women. I'm playing, I'm a kissing, little kissing bandit. I'm touching girls at my age. And then it stopped. Because I became fearful of women. Because I started thinking about my cousin molesting me. My babysitter taking my virginity. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little boy. I'm not supposed to be scared of girls. So I had to. I started to change and be this guy that acted like I was like dominant and controlling, but I wasn't that guy. This is what narcissism comes to when you get older. Where, that's that false sense of reality. You're not that guy, Leon. Well, you, oh, yes, I am. You can't tell me anything different. I did this, this, this. Now you go into this grandiose mindset. Well, I got to be number one. I got to be in control. I got to be in charge. I want to be sailor of the year, which I was everywhere. I got to be recorded here because I was, I was hiding my insecurities, but I could work. My work ethic was through the roof. An overt narcissist. It's overbearing, cocky, arrogant, conceited, self-seated, self-centered, highly functioning, very competitive. Okay? Yeah. And so now the little boy Which me- helps you succeed from this awful childhood, right? Upbringing. Exactly. Like to, in this society, to succeed, to become something and make something of yourself, you do have to kind of put, you put up these false walls, you put up this false image, but it's like, pushing down all of that trauma as well. So it's like an unhealthy coping mechanism. There you, there you go. And then it pops up when you get angry. It pops yeah. up. You are a trigger. And like so a hidden now. monster that you transform into. Mm. Exactly. And mm. so why should I go back to that little boy that was molested, crying, peeing in bed, didn't take showers, didn't brush his teeth? Oh, no, I'm not going back to him. I want to be this kind of self-centered over narcissist because I love this guy. And guess who else loves it? All of these women love me. My male, my male co-workers say, man, you're a hard worker, man. You're going to win, man. You're going to be number one. And they pan into my grandiose minds, pan, 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 pan. And yes. you, Raven, you're, you become the OBGYN, the nice person. Then you get your husband, you have your children, and you know how to love, and you know how to care. You have empathy. Not 11-year-old Leon, you took your path, you went to college, you had your residency, your internship, and they just push you through life, and you take the notes, and you got these accolades, you got your uh, associates, you got your bachelor's, you got your PhD, and it's like, oh, here comes Raven. Oh, she's beautiful. She's an empath. Like, here comes Leah. Oh, he's a monster, you know? And so, yeah. why would I just go back to being that broke? Like you said, all of my successes, I had to suppress those, those my childhood issues and dysfunction, and then guess what? It pops out when I get into a relationship because after all I've done and gone through, I, I didn't know how to be in a relationship. But yeah. Raven, you because you had mom and dad, you're married, you had, I still don't get me wrong, I had great examples of men in my life, but I chose to follow the bad examples, the womanizers, the cheaters, the liars, and that felt bad to me. So for you, you, you go, well, Leon, how do you cheat? I go, well, Raven, how do you not cheat? You know, because mm-hmm. that was the way to my wife. She didn't understand by cheating mindset. Now I didn't understand how she couldn't cheat. You know, I was glad she didn't, right? And so we have two different mindsets that we are going to develop. And it, right, it goes back to our childhood. But yet Raven chose this path 
And because of my family history and my dysfunction and being molested and all this other stuff, I chose this path. So mm -hmm. I became a monster and then I became a driven monster. I became a successful monster. I became a dominant and domineering monster. And you got rewarded for that behavior in society. And I got rewarded by society by my, my winning sailor gear, having all these women flock over me, getting paid more, getting promoted. Life is beautiful, but guess what? I'm still a butthole. Yeah. Right? And, so and your I'm relationships are paying for it. They're like everyone around you is this is what drives the person in the intimate relationship with the narcissist. Insane. Because everyone around you on the outside is cheering you on, lifting you up on a pedestal. And then you come home and you get triggered. You haven't dealt with your childhood crap and you become a monster to that one person in that relationship. But then no one really gets it because you're amazing on the outside in society. And, and the empath gets like shamed and blamed for whatever. Yeah. And my ex-wife was like, they have no idea who you really are. No idea. I look, <laughs> yeah, I would look at it like, whatever. I wanted to go, you know, but I wouldn't do that, you know. But she knew. It was always that woman, like you said, when you come home, outside of home, I was like, this amazing guy. And not Leon. Leon's not like that. Leon would do that. I'm like, saying to myself, you, have, you guys have no idea. But my wife, she knew. So she knew, and you knew she knew. So is that where this whole act of gaslighting and putting that one person who knows the truth down so that the truth is not revealed? You can do that, but she knows the truth. So it's like, even when you gaslight somebody like that that knows the truth, you can't gaslight them. But they have morals. Like yourself, say, so for instance, if you married to a narcissist, Leon, you're not going to walk out of your home and just say, hey, my husband just called me names, just put me down. My husband, she, you're not going to do that. You're not. You tell your mom and you say, mom, don't let me handle this. Don't do anything. Your mom will go, okay, Raven, I won't. Because your mom's mom was the same way, right? You know, listen, nurturing, take care of you, understand you, let Raven take care of her growth and Leon. So even though my wife knew she wasn't going to put our relationship, our marriage on blast like that. So that's, she had the integrity. So I didn't have integrity, but I'm, I'm putting my relationship, our marriage on blast by being outside the home and doing the things that I was doing, you know? Yeah. But when you have those mature women in your life that I didn't, I failed to listen to. I listened to them when it became important for me in my career. Other than that, nothing. And so yeah. I used, yeah. And so that's, that's part of the exploitation of an over narcissist, right? What do you have? What can you do for me? Just keep me safe. Don't tell anybody my secret. And you'd be with someone long enough, a woman that loves, truly loves you. She looks, started looking at me as I was her, her son. Mm -hmm. So you really think she's going to tell on her son, whether I'm her husband, or I'm her husband, right? Her, say her 40 year old husband. You really think she's going to go out there to the police station and say, Hey, my, my, my son, husband did this to me. <laughs> she's not going to do it. That's and so, so true. Cause you do start to see them. Like you see their little boyhood, especially in some vulnerable parts. When you break down, you're upset when they're not abusing you. You do. You, you look at them like you have to take care of them now versus like, this is a person who I need to get away from because they're abusing me. Yeah. And get, just imagine if you and I are married and you tell on me and the police come in and get and they walk me out of the house in handcuffs and our children are crying. That's going to hurt you. And the children right? are going to blame it, me, right? So, yeah, I'm difficult. Like, hey, look at what you and look at our kids. You know, yeah, I'm going to pay you. It hurts my pay. I make it. Bust it down. I may lose money, whatever. 
But now the family is embarrassed because of you and not me. Yeah. But it doesn't make, but I'm not going to take that. You're going to take it. When I get out of jail, you're going to apologize. And I swear I'll never do this again, Leanne. Matter of fact, let's just move to another city because I don't want this shame. You're going to do all of that. And I'm going to go, okay, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please cover this up because still, I don't want the truth to be revealed. I'm not going to, and I'm, that's the thing that also is really infuriating is the lack of responsibility. Big time. It's just like infuriating. And some people it, will take the lack of responsibility to their grave. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like they hold on to it because they know that I know that you know already, but I'm not going to know. I'm not going to let you know that I know, even though I know that you, I don't want to talk about it. We're not going to discuss it. It's just like that false, that false sense of reality. Like it never really happened. Mm-hmm. It might not be that serious, Raven, that we're not going to discuss it. But well, then when, when I bring it up, you just yell and scream. When you walk, you leave, you go away, you go smoke, you go drink. So I'm not going to bring it up anymore. That's exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. Mm. So You're I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept responsibility because knowing, I already know they're getting wrong, but talking about it and facing it, it feels too bad, Raven. It hurt. It hurt. People understand that. So yeah. I'm a, I was a very, I was a very dishonest person because honesty hurt too bad. It was like having a heart attack when I had to be honest. It was like, may I just be honest? I'm like, no. With a smirk on my face, like to make them feel even bad. Like you gonna you gonna lie to me and then smirk the bottom like yeah. And so she don't want to see that again. She don't want to see it twice, let alone once. And so she knows if she says something again and I lie about her again with a smirk, it's gonna make her boil. But right. I'm gonna keep doing. It. I know she's pissed off at me right now. So what happens? She'll stop doing it. Yeah. As sad as that it is, as dysfunctional as that is, as hurting as that is. She would just swallow that pill. So women are stronger emotionally than men. I can't swallow that pill because it'll get stuck in my throat. And I'll cry. I'll get angry. I'll push the wall. You can swallow that pill. You go drink some tea and watch your Lifetime movie channel. Go talk to your mom. Go go work in a garden. Go roller skate. And you'll be okay. It'll still be there. But I can't process stuff like that. It hurts too bad. So what do I do? I deflect. I Mm -hmm. avoid. Avoid. And I learned in therapy that I was dealing with emotional detachment. I was dealing with deflection. I was dealing with escapism. And she was telling me these terms. And I was like, look, look, lady, time out. I don't want to hear no more. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I'm out here. Yeah, she's like, you're back. And I'm like, ooh. But I had to go back. It was hard, Raven. Therapy, people don't understand. Therapy was hard for me. I was, I didn't want to go take a, have a drink before I went into therapy. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't do that because I was in my uniform. But it was like, I'm not going to do it. Mr. Walker, come on in. I'm like, <laughs> you feel like, there? well, that's the thing is you feel like you're going to, to like have a major heart attack or an anxiety attack. And yeah. maybe for some of us who have worked through our pain, like for me, I'm thinking of one particular person. I'm like, why can't you just do the work? Like I did it. It was really hard and I didn't die. Like just like admit that you did something wrong, work through yes. it, and you won't die. Like, emotions don't kill you. Right, but the, 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 but. the admitting hard part for narcissistic people. Mm-hmm. You can say that you can, because, because Raven, you were used to say, okay, I'm sorry I did this. I'm not used to that. Oh, no. Uh-uh. You have that trait, right? I don't have that trait. I have the trait of avoidance. I have the trait, trait of escapism. 
I have a trait of denying. I have a trait of uh, a false sense of reality. That's mm-hmm. who I am. And I've had these traits for years. You had those traits for years saying, okay, I, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't apologize. My ex-girlfriend told me, Leon, you just don't apologize. But Ray, you know what? I didn't even realize that I wasn't apologizing. She said, <laughs> you could do something wrong, Leon. You see me crying and you won't even apologize. You know what I said to her? I was like, hell no. But I didn't realize I wasn't apologizing, Raven. Did you My feel wife, it in your body like I'm sorry, but you couldn't verbalize it or you just oh, didn't oh, feel anything? No, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. You shouldn't have pushed me. You should have pushed my buttons. That's what you get. So in my mind, I was doing right by not apologizing. It's your fault that I hurt you. Mm-hmm. So it feels wrong to me. It's stupid to me for me to apologize about something that you made me do to you. You asked for it, Raven, so you got it. So, so you need to apologize to me, Raven. How about that? Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. And boom, what do I do? I start over. Right. right. <laughs> and the cycle continues. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So to you, you're like, hey, the best thing to do is to apologize. Man, it's not going to kill you. Oh, no. Yes, it will kill me if I apologize. Really? Yeah, I don't like to apologize. It hurts you bad. And so we start the whole cycle over. And then you start to lose your voice. You get to side of the treatment. You walk around on eggshells. You're easy to gaslight. You start to doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you fall deeper in love with me because you don't want to leave me. You don't lose me. So you start doing anything that I want. You're not going to yell and scream. You're not going to question me. And so then you become that wife in a household married to a narcissist. You become vented furniture. You become, yeah. un- I don't kiss mm-hmm. you anymore. Hand. And then you, before you're 10 years. Mm-hmm. And Raven's lost her friends. She's got a job that she doesn't like, but she makes a lot of money. She's unhappy. Then it's 15 years. Then it's 20 years. And you just sit there and we just rot the way and I go to hell and you go to heaven. And that's what happens. So mm-hmm. I had to get my, I had to get my therapy raven. I did. And I didn't volunteer to go. No, you know? Yeah. But many people knew that I had issues, but you can hide it in the military. That's just the more, yeah, the more, the more senior you become, the more people work for you, the more people kiss your butt. Right. Yeah. I have so- friends right that I know are narcissistic as hell and innate. I know for a fact. And I can't diagnose them, but I watch them. So yeah. I know how to manage I play with them. And I do it in front of their wives. We laugh about things. She don't know what I know. But I know. She knows her husband, of course. For instance, we went to this event about three weeks ago. There's a friend of mine, and he's highly functioning. He's on a, a, a whole different spectrum of narcissism, right? He's very overt like me. So I know. And... We were doing axe throwing. And I know overt narcissist pe- people are very competitive, mm-hmm. uh, overbearing, loud, very social. So he works proud. And the moment he can't throw that axe and make it stick up to the wall, he gets super pissed. So I watched him and I said to everybody, I said, hey, we found something that Larry can't, finally Larry, Larry can't even do. He <laughs> just can't throw the axe to the wall. He looked at me. It wasn't fun at him, but we all laughed. And I knew his next step. He was going to work a half hour trying to get that axe to stick to the wall. And then you know what he's going to do, right? He's going to teach us how he did. And that's exactly what he did. And that's what he did. It took him about 40 minutes. And he's like, now I'll see you, bro. I got it, Leah. Come here. Hey, hey, everybody. Let me, this is what I did. This is how I did. And then it was like eight different cubicles of people throwing axes. He went from one to the next to the next and showed everybody how to throw axes. And then it sucked to be us because everybody started winning and getting the axe to stick to the wall. And 
here he is now. He saved the night for everybody. Taking the but glory. I for, yeah. I know for a fact he's narcissistic. He's over for sure. Mm-hmm. Can't diagnose people, but he's nothing but a Leon. So yeah, I'm sorry I mean to cut you off. You want to say something? No, no. I was just going to segue into how we can protect ourselves from the narcissist. So if they can't change, right? You've kind of confirmed they can't change and the empath can't fix them. So what would you advise somebody in that relationship to do with a narcissist? So my my advice is to... So they're they're trying to prove that narcissist people can change. I had to make some X changes, which is what my therapist taught. So no more drinking and no porn and change the people that I hang out with, the things that were, that felt good to me, right? Things that were triggering me, stay away from them, the things that caused me to think differently, certain people, things, whatever. I highly suggest that, so people already ask me, and I'm like, I'm not a malignant narcissist. I know I'm over. So if you have to ask me, then you're not sitting on a computer to read up on all of these things. It's just that easy to do. And I'm not saying if you read up on a malignant, covert, overt, antagonistical, seductive, whatever. That doesn't mean that that person is a narcissist, but you know how to manage their emotions, even though they don't, right? So if you know, if, if you want to make Leon happy in the morning, stroke a zig when he wakes up. Hey, babe, I like your back, rubber ball, whatever, right? Get me going. And narcissistic people are easy to manipulate. Because we only think about one thing. We're one dimensional. And so if you think about three things, you have to stay a step or two or three ahead of me, being dimensional, three dimensional. I did a video about N-O and K-N-O-W. No, Leon, I know what you're trying to do. Or Leon, I K-N-O-W, I know what you're trying to do. So you have to stay two to three steps ahead of a, of a narcissist. They're, all, they're going to bed thinking about tomorrow. They're waking up thinking about the next day. And it's all about their ego, their self-centeredness. Yeah, they, they can't appear imperfect to anybody. You're right. So you always have to be planning ahead, planning ahead. And it's so draining because <laughs> we do it actually, right? And I just do it like a little kid. And you like, if you can't stay ahead of me, it's like, I had a boss that I know was narcissistic too, but he would tell people, you, you can't possibly stay ahead of me because he was a very senior person, make a lot of money. And he told people, so people were, it's, started not liking to work for him because he was just so far ahead of people. Mm-hmm. So those type of malignant narcissists are very dangerous too. Any narcissist is dangerous, but if they have that grandiose mindset and they're they're overbearing and very competitive, they're going to always be three or four or five steps ahead of you. So I had to be three steps with him. I couldn't get ahead of him, but I knew what I was dealing with. So if you know what you're dealing with, Raven, it's much easier to understand that person. And you can have you can have somewhat of a healthy relationship, but every now and then you're going to deal with some traits. You're going to deal with the lies. You're going to deal with the, the love bombing when you know it's not real because yeah. they want something. I love bombing after you've been married for five years. Or, Leon, you've never done this before. Now I'm doing it, but I want something. Or, oh, Lord, I've done something wrong. Oh, you did something wrong. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> if I got to cover that up. I talk yeah. about that too. The deeds to make myself good about what I just did wrong. Good deeds so to cover up the trail. Yeah, I would highly suggest people to read up on the trace and become very knowledgeable about it. Don't be so emotional with a narcissistic person. You have mm-hmm. to you know, you have to know what's going on with them. You have to know when to tell them no. And when you tell them no, you have to expect some type of either backlash or something. they're going to do something sneaky or cruel. 
So again, you have to know what's coming back your way. And that's when it becomes exhausting. It's like, Leon, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save our marriage. I'm trying to save our relationship. You just keep doing this over and over again. And then you have to worry about your delivery because if your delivery is wrong with me, I'm going to shut down. Right. Then I'm going to start hurting you. Yeah. I can hurt you, but you can't hurt my. I don't feel that. So I like to see you cry. I like to see you curl up in the ball. I like to see you walk away and go into your bedroom and close the door. So I go watch ESPN and drink a beer. Okay. So you have to be careful with your delivery. That's why it's so draining to women when it's like, well, Leon, I did this. I'm doing this. I did this. I'm doing this. And I'm sitting there like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You know? And mm-hmm. I'm not, there's no reciprocity. So for women, it's like, this is just so freaking draining. I got my hair done. I got my hair tinted. I'm losing weight. I cooked the meal. I put on a lip gloss. I put on, I'm wearing his favorite perfume. And he's not even paying attention to me. Uh, and that is our conversation for today. Tune in on Thursday to listen to the second part with Leon Walker, Confessions of a Narcissist. If you are grateful for this show and benefited from this episode and you're feeling generous, help me out and rate and review this podcast. It's a simple act of service to help others like you find the show. Most narcissists, except for some exceptions like Leon, but a lot of narcissists and people who may not be NPD, but they are certainly toxic, they don't want to change or heal. They believe there is nothing wrong with them or they're too afraid to address their demons within. And they defend and they attack you and they reverse the blame onto you. But that's not you, empath. You want to heal and you are the chain breaker in your family. You wish to find your authentic self and power. So let's chat about something that's extremely important, community. I remember when I first left my my ex, I lost everything. I lost everyone that thought that was in my corner. I had to restart and rebuild my life all over again. And that's what I was most afraid of. But I didn't die. I didn't really actually lose anything inside of me, I actually gained myself by leaving. I was strong, but I wasn't always strong. So as I finally found my strength and new people who would come in and be my angels in this healing journey, I realized community is invaluable. And I didn't have community. I had a few single angels here or there to help me through, which is beautiful. But I didn't even know the term narcissist until recently. And so I feel called to host a community to help you heal. I'm going to give you what I didn't have. And we're going to have a community that we're going to grow through. We're going to have education, coaching once a month, and community. You'll have like-minded people you can talk to and support each other. And we're going to have a live Q&A event as well and some meditations because that's what I love to do. So all of these things are incorporated to help you in your personal development and your healing journey. And it really is very simple. We're just going to host it on Patreon, nothing extravagant. And for you now, as founding members, it's just $8.25 for each month. And it's really, really exciting to be able to to gather you guys all up and for all of us to be in community. Like I said, there are free posts that you can kind of preview some stuff over there and comment and interact with us. I feel like this is the way this year. And I have heard an astrologer say that 
different types of gathering versus being on social media is the way that we're going to feel like we want to experience our, our relationships this year. So in this, you're going to receive a group of like-minded empaths. You're going to get your questions answered. We're going to do live events that include meditations. February 6th, we're starting How to Overcome the Pain of Your Past 10-Day Challenge. I'm going to host that there in the group. There will be monthly group healing ceremony circles, which will also include a bit of coaching. So that's we'll have two live events every month. So that's every other week that we'll meet on a video call. And yes, so I really, truly am excited for all of you to join. Really is no skin off your back, just a couple dollars a month. It's literally less than if you went to Starbucks and you got breakfast and a coffee. And it's only once a month. You'll also receive in the mail as a member every three months, these beautiful note card mantras that I've created. So, so many beautiful gifts. And so that's on Patreon our empath healing community. So excited to announce that. Of course, if you go to my shop page, I do have other workshops that you can purchase and self-guide yourself through if that's more of your forte. So I have that plus the book on Amazon and you can listen on Audible, Empath and the Narcissist, How to Overcome Gaslighting, Manipulation, Childhood Trauma, and it is the guide. It has a healing guide for you to to find out who you are and the last chapter includes human design 101 and if you're not sure what human design is you can grab your free chart just fill out the form send me your information ravenscott.show forward slash shop and i will read your chart just a short intro chart for you on a video call for just 20 minutes kind of let you know what it is and then send you the pdf of your chart that's all for free. All right. So many wonderful things going on. I was watching Mission Joy with Bishop Tutu from South Africa and His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, on Netflix last night. And I truly enjoyed it so much. I don't know what it is about soaking up in two old wise men who giggling all the time in that show, but it was infectious. Yeah, it's a must see. It's a must watch. But the biggest takeaway was the Dalai Lama challenged a scientist who was studying depression through MRIs and brainwaves. And he challenged him to study brainwaves of joy and compassion. So he rose to the challenge and studied monks who have a daily practice of meditation. And the experiment was when they heard a high beep while they were in the MRI machine. There was a scalding heat that would wave into this metal plated wristband for like half a second, a millisecond that they wore. And then a low beep just indicated they would get a warm wave through their wristband. And what they observed is in the non-meditating brains, when they heard the high beep, the amygdala and the brain activity lit up. And then when they felt the high heat, that activity in the brain amplified. And then when the high heat was gone, the activity continued to ruminate in the brain. In the meditating brains, when they heard the high beep, the brain showed no heightened activity. Only when the heat flashed through the wristband did the brain show a raised activity in the brain. 
But immediately after that wristband heat left, the activity left. It went back to neutral again, went back to this calm state in the brain. So what I concluded is with a daily practice of meditation, our brain and suffering afflicted on us through life and others can be short-lived. There is a way to stop ruminating about the narcissist and their betrayal and their abuse. And that is through daily practicing meditation. If you did not know, I am a certified meditation teacher. This skill is now going to be put to good use and I'm honored to be hosting live meditations on one of my most favorite meditation apps called Luvo, L-U-V-O. It's free. And upon entering the app, you can take a quick survey to see which chakra is blocked, and then you can start meditating to release that chakra. For me, my block chakra was the root. No surprise. I always feel like there is no time in the world. My adrenals are always shot because I'm producing and editing and recording and drafting and creating and just too much, right? I, I do too much, but that's my unbalanced root chakra. And so as I've cleared my root chakra through the meditation, and I've done loads of other things, right? Emotion code, I'm taking Bach flower, and really focusing on slowing down what's happened is that I've now been able to move through and do the meditations through the sacral, and then I'll move through the solar plexus, and then the heart. So there's a vast amount of meditations in the library through the chakras, as well as guided meditations. So in addition to the library of guided meditations that I have the pleasure to contribute to, the app also uses a vibrational healing frequency that you can increase or decrease at your desire. So I'm so excited to be start hosting free live meditations in this app in February. So make sure you grab it for free in the Google Play or Apple App Store now so that you can be used to using it. Start using the app meditate daily and tune into reducing the suffering that you're feeling right now. It is proven. This is science now, you guys. This is so exciting. So tune into the app uh, daily for your benefit, but also to watch out for my live guided meditations coming to you soon. So sign up and the link to the app will be in the show notes. And I appreciate all of you for listening. And don't forget to grab your free copy of the Audible book by signing up to my newsletter. I'll reach out to you with a unique code for you to listen. The link is in the show notes. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief there's something that'll have what you need, what you need. We're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe there's magic. Believe you could have it, and I know of sadness. The